Please join me in another word of prayer before we get into the message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for everything that you've given us. We thank you for this opportunity and privilege to once again learn about you, your ways, and your will. We are grateful for everything that we have, our family, our health, each other, and most especially, your salvation. We thank you for this word that we are about to receive from you. We ask for your Holy Spirit to guide us. Speak to us, Father. I pray that you open the eyes of our hearts. I pray that you open our minds. Speak through me, Father God. I ask for blessings for my preparation, but at the same time, Lord God, override it. That you and you alone speak to your people. We humbly ask all of this in your Son's name we pray. Amen. So as we continue with our series, Giving Thanks, tonight we will now discuss the part where we share our testimony. That is another way how we express our gratitude towards God, is we share to people what we have. You know, other than teaching kids their, to say please and to say thank you, uh, us parents, we tell our or when we were little children, our parents told us to make sure we share, right? We share what we have. In the Philippines, it's a hard lesson to do because I don't know about you guys, but my mom tells me even if when, especially when I'm eating, even though I don't have enough, I have, and there's a, a visitor or somebody passes by, I have to offer them, ask them if they want to share some of my food. And it's so difficult if it's my favorite and I only have enough for me. But as soon as somebody comes in, it becomes a net. Because of the training, it becomes natural. You ask them, do you want some? So you get, you get to be, you get to be uh, clever as you grow older. As you get older, you ask them in a negative way to make sure that the answer is no. You don't want any, right? <laughs> Because I really don't have enough for the two of us, but you don't really want some, right? So in your mind, you're thinking, oh, you know, I offered. You said no. I am more, That's what we say, I am more, right? You don't want it, right? You don't want some? Now, going back to our point, sharing our testimony and experience with Jesus and our faith is actually a result. It is a result of our gratitude to our Lord. A grateful heart is an obedient heart. Our obedience to God is the fruit of our gratitude towards Him. Everything that we do for God is a result of our gratitude towards Him, including, including sharing our testimony and what God has done and given to us in our lives. So if God has not done anything for you, then you're okay not sharing anything because you don't have anything to share. You can't give what you don't have, correct? Yes, correct. That's why most of you haven't shared your testimony yet. Because God has not done anything for you just yet, right? <laughs> I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to be fired by next week. You welcome your new pastor next week. <laughs> there is so much to share about God. His power, His goodness, His love, His grace, His mercy. 
We're so, we're so stuck in thanking God with the people that we have, with the things that we have. And then as soon as when God takes those people away, those things away, we stop thanking Him. Or once our spouse that we thank God for 10 years ago is now irritating us, we're now getting mad at God for giving us this kind of husband. Lord, I don't know why I prayed so hard, but then this is the best that you could give me. I thought you were going to give me your best. Lord, I prayed for a godly woman. You gave me Medusa. <laughs> right? We, we struggle. When we struggle, we start resenting the blessings and we miss it. We miss it. But if you have the blessings from God, especially especially for the believers, especially for the Christ followers, especially for those people who have received the gifts of salvation, by accepting Christ as your Lord, your sins have been forgiven. You are made right with God. That alone should be the reason. That should be enough reason for you to not shut up about the Lord. Amen? Okay, our first point. We have 20 points tonight, so we'll be out of here by 9 o'clock now. <laughs> have a few points. Let's get, let's get to it. What's in your heart or what's in your wallet? What's in your heart? Luke 6.45 reads, The good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. You want to know what the person is about? You listen to them. If they're about, about money, they can't shut up about making money. If they're about business, they can't shut up about making, uh, starting a business or new business, whatever. If they're about cars, they talk about cars. If they're about girls, it's all about girls. Girls and cars, sports, everything. Whatever they are consumed with, Whatever they, they read or whatever they live for, that is what they keep talking about. If it's politics, they keep talking about politics. So the question for you, Christ follower, is, is the Holy Spirit in your heart? Now, if the Holy Spirit is in your heart, then why is there no abundance to a point that you can't be quiet? about the Lord. There are so many secret Christians lately. You know, those, those, they're like spies. You know what spies are? You don't know that they're, they're there, but they are there. So Christians, a lot of us Christians, we're like Christian spies now. We, there's a, a pastor in California that said that they found out one of their best friends became a Christian. And they were so excited about it. And they said, I'm so glad that you, you turned to Jesus. And, and the friend goes, I know. Wait, are you? The pastor and the pastor's wife, they go, yes, we are. <laughs> and they're like, oh my gosh, I did not know. I'm so glad you told me that you are a Christian. Because for the longest time, for the longest time, I was stressing out on how I can be such a good person like you. How I can be, how I can have the same marriage as you guys. You see, when you keep it to yourself, you're keeping the glory for yourself. 
People will just think you're a good, disciplined person. People will just think you're a well-kept person. You're a good guy. You're a nice lady. You guys are keeping your marriage together. That's awesome. You're great parents. That's great. But if you don't say that you are a Christ follower, how will they know? Yes, people have told me, believers have told me, that the strongest testimony for a believer is our life. I don't disagree with that. But there is a certain point where you have to say, I am the way I am because of Christ. I love the way I love because of God loving me first. There has to be a point where you have to share it. Because if it is driving you, if it's the one, if it's the force that is driving you, you have the Holy Spirit that lives in you. And in Acts chapter 1, it reads there, it says there that Jesus said, I'm going to go so that the Holy Spirit will, will come in you. The power of the Holy Spirit, will, Holy Spirit will come in you. So why do you live such a powerless life? If you are a believer... Why, what is it? What kind of persecution are you, are you so afraid of that your friends will make fun of you, that you're a believer? Uh-huh, you're a Christ follower. That's the worst thing that you can get in this country. You're going to lose friends? Big deal. You're going to lose friends. If they, if they beef, what do you call it, unfriend you because you're an, a, an, a believer of Christ, you know what? So be it. Did you hear Brother Larry's testimony? He said, "If I'd rather be in this chair rather than not have God in my life. Since 1984, the guy has been paralyzed. But yet he still says that with conviction. You know, I've known Larry for three years now. At first, I'm not going to lie to you, when I saw him, I could see the wheelchair. But now, the more I get to know him, I see a six foot five Filipino sitting down. I don't see the wheelchair anymore. I can see his love for the Lord. I can see his passion for the Lord. I could see that he's more active than any of us that are healthy here. Most of the time. You want to know what's in a person? You listen to them. You want to know what drives a person? You listen to them talk. So the question, folks, is what's in your heart? Better yet, who is in your heart? Psalm 34, verse 8. Have you made that invitation? Believers, have you made that invitation? What invitation? This invitation. When you tell your friends and your family who have not surrendered their lives to Christ, that you say, taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in Him? Have you not had that experience yet? Do you not have that experience with the Lord that He is good? Maybe that's why that you haven't opened your mouth on how good He is to share to your friends. You know what? If it wasn't for God, I won't be here. If it wasn't for God, me and my wife would be divorced by now. A long time ago. If it wasn't by God's grace, I won't be here. Well, maybe because you're thinking, well, you know, I became a Christian because I'm, I'm one of the greatest candidates to be a Christian anyway. 
You guys are welcome to welcome me. You are, you are welcome. Because now you got somebody great, a great person joined the church. Maybe you see your per yourself as such a special person that the Christian church or the whole Christian community owes it to you. Maybe that's why you can't open your mouth and tell people how good God is. Because you think you're doing it on your own. Witnessing and testimony is just saying what you have seen. Saying what you have seen. Telling someone else what you've seen. Have you witnessed an accident? If, the, if you say, yes, I witnessed it, they're going to tell you, what did you see? And you're just going to say what you saw. Why is it that when it comes to testifying about Jesus, why is it that we have nothing to say? A testimony is just that. We express. We share what we saw. We share what we've experienced. Nothing more. Yes, I could, I could share the sentiments of being rejected, being made fun of. But you know what? Who cares? At the end of the day, if you truly believe that what you accepted is the truth, don't you want that for them as well? Don't you want them to have the forgiveness of their sins too? Don't you want to see them in heaven later on? Don't you want to share the greatest gift of all? This is a quote from Thomas Rainier in his book, Autopsy of a Diseased Church. There's three things that I want to share here. A church without a gospel-centered purpose is no longer a church at all. Thriving churches have the Great Commission as the experience of their vision, a centerpiece of their vision, while dying churches have forgotten the clear command of Christ, which is, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Matthew 28, 19. Last quote, a failure, a failure to pray was tantamount to a failure to breathe. We, last week, we discussed about prayer. Last week, we discussed on how God wants us to just speak to Him. That it, He takes more pleasure in us praying to Him than us taking pleasure in the gifts that we receive out of our prayers. Because God seeks us. He seeks us constantly. Tonight, we're going to be discussing... Because of time, we're not going to be reading the whole thing. But we're going to be discussing John chapter 4, verses 1 to 42. But we're going to skip most of it. So here's, our, our, here's the beginning of it. John 4, 13 to 15, Jesus said, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again, ever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. For those of you who are not familiar with the story, this is when Jesus was on his way from a trip and he got thirsty and he got tired. They crossed a Samaritan town and he sat by the well. Did you guys get that? 
If you guys go to your Bibles and read it, you will see that Jesus got tired. So folks, it's okay to get tired. It's not unchristian-like if you get tired. Don't work too hard. It's okay to rest. Jesus rested and he asked for water. He met the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman met Jesus at the well and Jesus asked for a drink from her. So that's out of the norm right there. Because first of all, in Jesus' time, men were not supposed to speak to women in public. Even husbands, if they see their, their wife wives in, in the public setting, they would not even say hi to them. Much more a Jew, not Joe, Jew, Jesus, to a Samaritan woman. A Samaritan, because Jews and Samaritans don't like each other. Because the Jews see them as a second-class citizen. So that's why this conversation alone is a miracle. Right here is you see that Jesus always seeks us. He seeks us no matter where we are. Some people think that they, can, they will only go to Jesus when they are finally spiritually healthy. When they're finally up and up with the Lord, that's the only time they'll come to church. That's the only time they'll read their Bible. If they think they are finally right with the Lord. But you see here, Jesus spoke to the woman. And Jesus tells her about the water, the living water that he has to offer. The living water that gives eternal life. Some of us, we want to continue to get the water in the well. We want to continue to do good works rather than, than trusting God. Trusting God that He has completed everything. Trusting the lines that He said, It is finished when He was dying on the cross. He said, It is finished. It is paid for. There is nothing else to do. It is paid for. Bill Gates will call you tonight. Each and every one of you. He will call you tonight, and the message will be, your mortgages will be paid for by him. He's saying that. He's saying the check's in the mail. And you say, is this really Bill Gates? Because if it's just my friend joking, I know he's broken. He still owes me money. If this is Bill, the guy that owes me money. He says, no. So you say, what do you say? You say, thank you. You hang up the phone and you expect it. You're excited expecting that payment for the next month, right? And he's going to pay for the whole thing. You trust it because you know Bill Gates has the money and he can afford it. And you got that call from him. How come when it's God and you read it in the Bible, you heard it in a preaching, that Jesus said he has paid for your sins, it is paid for. Why do you keep trying to pay for it? And for us believers who have accepted that gift, why can't you share that truth? Why is that so hard? Why is that so difficult? Because you're going to lose friends. They're going to stop making them make fun of you. They're going to put the thumbs down on your message. Just like Jesus to us, do you remember when he sought you before you accepted him? Do you remember that time, how you were feeling about your life? Do you remember? 
Well, he was, and then he was the only one that was giving you hope at that moment. Do you remember that time? It's just like this. When the woman said, give me this water. Because she's so tired of going to the well. And she goes to the well in the middle of the day. She goes to the well the, to the well middle of the day because she was an outcast. And we'll find out here, here in this next verses. God is full, full of truth and full of grace. Verse 16 and 19 reads, Go call your husband. This is, that is Jesus' response to her. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. She responded, I don't have a husband. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you have had five husbands. And the man that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Jesus was at the well where the woman was, at the, the, the situation that the woman was in. The, the reason why she went to get water in the mid, middle of the day was because she was an outcast. Because people knew that she, that she was living in sin. People knew that she loved to get married. People knew that she was a danger to their husbands. So the middle of the day was the time that she can only go there because nobody else would want to go with her. Jesus reveals to himself to her as the living water, then exposes the sin of the woman. See, that, that is who God is. God is full of truth and full of grace. God tells us that we have sinned against him. Because of the Ten Commandments, it, it shows us that we cannot live this life without committing a sin. That's what the Ten Commandments are. It just reminds us that, hey, you cannot make it to heaven. I remember of this confession, this man confessing to the priest in the confessional box. He goes, oh, Father, forgive me for I, have not, for I have sinned. It's been two days since my last confession. The priest goes, oh, what is your sin, son? And he goes, I stole a rope. And I feel so bad. He goes, <laughs> the priest goes, it's just a rope. <laughs> you know what? You can pray two Hail Marys, two Glory Bees, and one Our Father, and go see your way. And he goes, no, 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 Father. You don't get it. He goes, what do I get? What don't I get? This rope, there's a, there's a carabao at the end. <laughs> I pulled the carabao with it. I stole my neighbor's rope with the carabao at the end. And he goes, okay, now you're in trouble. <laughs> the point is this. The point is this. We think, sometimes we minimize, we minimize the sins. We minimize the sins. Oh, I'm not a rapist. I can go to heaven. I'm not such a bad guy. I can go to heaven. I didn't steal from my parents. I can go to heaven. And Jesus, Jesus always, he elevated it. When it comes to, to adultery, Jesus said that if you look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery. If you get angry with your brother, you have committed murder. So now, American Christians, those of you who are driving, you know you commit murder every single time, right? 
when you're driving on the freeway, especially now. People from California moving in. <laughs> I realized as I was studying this, this message that it can go in different directions. Because giving a testimony can go, we can talk about it so much, but tonight we're going to talk about why we need to give our testimony, why we need to share our faith. The woman said here, Sir, I see that you're a prophet. She's almost there, but not quite. Right? She's almost there. The woman in the well knew how unworthy she is of God's goodness. The society has been very hostile to her. Getting the water in the middle of the day, having a reputation that she's a sinner, being on her working on her sixth marriage. There's a test driving there that's happening before she gets married because now she's only dating. They're living in sin, right? She's finally smarter. <laughs> I, I shared this before. I'm going to share it again. Before, when somebody was living in, if they were living in, the whole town in Baguio, we knew who was living in. It was such a small town, we knew who was living in sin. It was so taboo for us. Even us kids were like, they're living in. They're living in sin. But now, guess what? Now, you live in, you try it out, if it's going to work, then you maybe you can get married. Some people have justified it to the point where insurance for me, if we're single, is better. My taxes are higher. Tax return is better if we're not claiming together. So, no, I'm not going to, you know, they, they, they justified in so many angles now. There's no more purity in marriage. So did the woman in the well. She has justified it. But then until she met Jesus. She was offered by Jesus full satisfaction. A complete satisfaction. A spring of living water. Because she, the woman in the water, by the well, the woman by the well, was codependent. She was codependent. There was no way that she could live her life without having someone else. The fifth marriage tells us that, right? The fifth marriage tells us that. She has done everything that she can do. She's been looking for love in all the wrong places. That's a song, right? This evening, we will focus on the why. Why we need to give our testimony. And I'd like for all of us to know that there are three important parts of a testimony. First part is your life before Christ. The woman, she's codependent. She was boy crazy. She needed someone to love. And she needed someone to love her back. Without that, her life was meaningless. We see that Jesus is telling her that it is only Him, it is only Christ that she needs and she will find that drink that will ultimately quench her thirst jesus is the only one that can truly quench our thirst if we search for anything else that this world has to offer it's a bottomless pit we will never get satisfied the second point of a testimony if you're giving it or sharing it to your co-worker is this is the part where you need to be detailed. The first part, your life before Christ, 
you can leave some of those details out. Be careful to, to focus on yourself there. Because there's nothing new that's been done under the sun. Everything's been done. But on the second part, which is this is where you need to be detailed. Who shared Jesus to you? When was, when was it? And what, where were you spiritually and mentally? That is the second part of your testimony. And your third, as you witness, is how you are now living. How is your life now with the Lord? That should be the third part as you witness to someone. Now, we didn't say that you need to know the 15,000 doctrines, right? We didn't say that you need to know when the world's going to end. We didn't say that you have to know if when the person you're talking to, if, when they're going to die. We just said the things that you know. The things that you know, the things that you've experienced, those are the things that you, that consists of your testimony. Those are the things you need to know as you share Jesus to others. We have to share it with excitement. Verse 28 to 30. The woman left her water jar, went into town and told the men, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. She, she forgot what she came for. She forgot the water jar. Because of the excitement that she got when she finally met Jesus. For some of us, for those of us who have, have accepted Christ, there are things that we have left for the Lord. Amen? Now, the velocity or the speed of your growth or our growth differs from person to person. But there is always something that we thought we came for or we were living for. And then we met Jesus and then we abandoned that. And then we go. Well, we need to be able to say, come and see the man that has told me everything that I have done and has forgiven me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16 Folks, believers, Christ followers, isn't that easy? <laughs> I guess it's easy, right? It's easy to know what we have experienced because we experience it. Nobody else can argue with what you've experienced. Now, as you share the gospel to somebody, they're probably going to come up with hard questions like, how did all those animals fit in the ark? <laughs> Just to try to refocus, listen. I'm telling you how Jesus saved me. Well, I heard Jesus was really not good looking like the ones in the pictures. And you're going to have those difficult questions. You just have to realign them and tell them, like the woman here, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. For most of us, it's a step, little by little, one step at a time, one day at a time. But regardless of the velocity or our, of our change and of us letting go, acceptance of Jesus as our Lord indicates 
and tells us that we are letting go of the reins of our lives and letting Him take hold of it. That is why we call Him Lord. When you call Jesus as your Lord, He takes the reign of your life. He tells you what to do. He tells you where to go. He tells you where to live. He tells you how to live. It's not the other way around. I know we've been discussing about how we treat God as a genie. And, and, and if the Lord has become real in your life, if Jesus has become real in your life, our question should be, Lord, what do you want from me? I am your unworthy servant. Let your will be done through me. Even if it's putting myself on the line, my reputation on the line, to speak about the truth, about you, about the things that you have done in my life, all the goodness that you've done in my life, and most especially making me right with you. Fifth point, testimony brings others to Jesus. Going continues, we're going to continue with the, the story of the, the woman in the well. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Luke 6.45, again it reads, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The woman declared that Jesus knew, knew everything about her. She might not know it at that time, but the only person that truly knows everything that we have ever done is the Lord. Because there are things that we've done that we've forgotten. But the Lord knows all of it. By this, the woman declared that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God. Because during their time, they also believed that the only real person that will know everything that you have done is God. So when she said, come and I'll tell you, come see the man who has told me everything that I've ever did. She recognized that Jesus is God. She proclaimed that Jesus is Lord. Have you done that? With your friends and your family? You know, I'm imagining the scene. Imagine the scene when she ran back to the town, right? You know, when, when uh, you've seen those movies when a woman cries for rape, right? When somebody's hurting them, women can get really loud, right? The Filipinos, the, the teleseries, right? When the, the, the hardest thing for me to see is when women are fighting. They're, I can't listen to the script anymore because they're just yelling. They're yelling. They can get loud. And this, I'm imagining that the woman was really loud. Come and see the man that has told me everything that I've did, I've done. She was probably grabbing people's arms and saying, Come, come, meet this guy. You, you, don't ignore me. I know you right there. You, wake up. <laughs> come, see, see the man that has told me everything that I have done. He would, she was pulling people's arms. She was yelling. She, probably, she, she was probably crying. Imagine if she was probably crying. She was probably just 
crazy out of her mind that she finally found something that has completely satisfied her now. I mean, gosh, she's, she's a candidate for the Navy SEALs. She was married five times. She can suffer long, five times, <laughs> suffer many times. She went crazy and she told everybody. And because of what she told them, because of her boldness, because of her transparency, because of her willingness to be God's funnel, to be God's mouthpiece, to be the channel, many were saved in the Samaritan town, in the, the village. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman, because of what the woman had said. Now to my application. <laughs> I'm looking at my, I have time. This is an interview from the Forbes magazine um, recently. Kanye West, I don't know if you guys know about him. To my older uh, brothers and sisters, you probably don't know him. And if you know him, you're probably not going to like him. <laughs> this is a rap artist, a very popular one, very successful one. Kanye West, in a recent, re recent interview, that it was his quote-unquote radical obedience to Jesus Christ that helped him through his headline-grabbing mental breakdown in 2016. He was on a concert tour, and he, in the middle of his concert, he stopped because he was depressed. And by his line, he said, the devil made me chase a gold statue. And it was empty. During his Atlanta service, Kanye encouraged the packed sanctuary with sentiments of a singular focus to God and said, let's not be concerned with the opinions of men at all. Only the opinion of God. Let's not be concerned with the validation of men at all. Only of God. The power of God cannot be calculated by, this is still him speaking, by a bank account, by how many cars you drive, or by how big your house is. It's God inside of us. This is his lyrics in one of his songs. So he released, you know, he, he was so egotistic that he was calling himself a God or the God before he became a Christian. And then he became a Christian. He released an album and he entitled it, Jesus is King. Jesus is King. I know some of you are probably skeptical about him. I was too. But there are people out there that are still skeptical of me. Okay? <laughs> if we are to wait on people, I don't wonder if he's real. That's, a lot of people out there are still thinking if I'm real. So this is his lyrics in God Is. The, the, the title of the, the song is God Is. Let me just read it to you. Everything that I felt, praise the Lord. Worship Christ with the best of your portions. I know I won't forget all He's done. He's the strength in this race that I run. Every time I look up, I see God's faithfulness. And it shows just how much He is miraculous. I can't keep it to myself. I can't sit here and be still. 
everybody, I will tell to the whole world, it's him. King of kings, Lord of lords, all the things he has done, all the things he has in store, from the rich to the poor, all are welcome through the door. You won't ever be the same when you call on Jesus' name. Listen to the words I'm saying. Jesus saved me. Jesus saved me. Now I'm saying, and I know, I know God is the force that picked me up. I know Christ is the fountain that filled my cup. I know God is alive. He has opened up my vision, giving me a revelation. This isn't about a damn religion. This is about Jesus brought a revolution. All the captives are forgiven. Time to break down all the prisons. Every man, every woman, there is freedom from addiction. Jesus, you have my soul. All my idols, let them go. All the demons, let them know. This is a mission, not a show. This is my eternal soul. This is my kids. This is my wife. This is my life. This is my God-given right. Thank you, Jesus, for you won the fight. That is who God is. Now, he has met a lot of resistance from the Christian church. Because, you know, us Christians, we know everything, right? We're good judge. We're good judges of, of, of the heart. We can see through people's motives. No, without me being sarcastic. There is a need to be discerning. Correct. That's true. I, I was sharing to people. I go, not because a boy will say he's a Christian. He can, and I could say, oh, yeah, go ahead and date my daughter because you're a Christian. No, I'm not going to be that stupid. There's a, there's, a, there's a filtering process, right? There's a filtering process. But if a Kanye West... If a Kanye West is saying these things, he's saying that there is freedom from addiction. He was addicted to sex and partying. He was a, he's a rock star. And he's saying there is freedom from addiction. This is where it got me. This is where I started crying when I heard it. Because, he, because I was addicted before. And it was only Christ that helped me get over it. And up to now, it is still Christ that gets me through it. For him to say that it is God that has filled my cup, he finally, just like the woman in the well, finally found full and complete satisfaction. Only through Christ. Not by, not by the Grammys, not by the awards, not by the glamour, but only through Christ. And then, the American Bible Society has now given away 8,800 Bibles around the world to Kanye West fans in less than two weeks for free. After the megastar released his new album, Jesus is King, the Society saw a large spike in Google searches like, What does Kanye believe? Okay, now I gotta downplay it. For you to share your testimony or your, for you to witness for Jesus, you don't have to be a superstar. Don't be intimidated by testimonies like this. Don't wait for Kanye West people or Manny Pacquiao to say that they're born-again Christians and just be quiet. 
Don't wait. Don't underestimate the power that God can do through you. Through your testimony. For the people that grew up in churches, don't downplay that because, oh, I'm not a Kanye West dramatic conversion. No. There are people just like you that are waiting to be encouraged by the story because of the power, because of the change that was done in your life. Don't downplay them. Now, the testimony is to glorify Jesus, not you. Verse 42, it reads, Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. The other side of the spectrum of witnessing or testifying is when we testify to give glory to ourselves. When we take the spotlight away from Jesus and we make it about ourselves. That is the other side of this. Some people don't want to testify because they're so shy and they haven't been empowered by the Lord because they don't want to. And there are the ones that are they, they testify because they want the glory. Look at me, look at me, look what God done for me. Here, I don't believe that the woman was insulted. I don't believe that this was said in a disrespectful manner. If anything, I, I, I believe that the woman was happy that they believed Jesus rather than her. I think they were saying this to validate what she also believed in saying, hey, we're on the same page. Jesus is real. And we accept him too. I believe after hearing this, the woman took it as a rest assured, we have what you have too. And we are with you. Jesus is Lord. It always brings me to tears when somebody gives their testimony. Not because of the hurt, but because of what Jesus has done in their lives. And it reminds me of what Christ has done in my life. This is Jesus talking to the, to the disciples. After he spoke to the woman, they saw him. And they said, what, what are you doing talking to her? And then all of a sudden, they, they were offering him food because they went out to get food for him. And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus told them. Don't you say there are still four more months, then comes the harvest. Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ready for harvest. Well, he was obviously tired and thirsty and hungry, Jesus did not miss the opportunity to minister to the woman in the well. She did, he did not let his hunger or thirst or, or lack of strength to hinder him from ministering. And then afterwards, he wasn't hungry at all. Because for him to obey God fulfills him. It completes him. Now, how about you? What other excuse do we have left, folks? Well, I'm tired. Like right now, we're going to have a pot-blessed dinner, right? 
Pablo is there. I know sometimes we, we stay on our cliques. The people that we like at church, we stay with them. The people that we get along, we stay with them. We forget that there are guests here that we need to talk to. Maybe some of them they need ministering to. But no, we're hungry. <laughs> we gotta finish the barbecue. We gotta finish the rice. Sometimes we have to forget. We have to look and open our eyes to see that there are people out there needing to hear the word of the Lord. Now, our founding pastor has this same purpose in, my, in mind all the time. If you met him and you've listened to his stories, he looks for the time to be delayed on his airplane rides. He loves delayed flights. Because that keeps him in Japan or in, in some wherever he stopped over is, and he's looking for the person he could that would give him a smile. If he smiles at him, he's talking to you. And then right in the middle of that conversation, he's sharing the gospel. He's sharing the gospel. He's always out there trying to share the gospel. In McDonald's, at the Meadowood Mall at China Diner, wherever. He's always looking for somebody to talk to and to share the gospel. Not just to talk to because he's lonely. To talk to and make that connection and share the gospel. Ephesians 5, 16 to 18, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. 1 Peter 4, 14 to 16, if you are insulted in the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and God, and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. If you are insulted because you are trying to witness for Christ, take that as a blessing because God will bless you. But if you are being insulted because you're being rude, then you deserve it. <laughs> There's no rewards in heaven for that. But if you are looking for opportunities to find the time and taking the time to witness to people, that's God blessing you. Now, if you care, you have to share. And if you've been blessed, you have something to give. Amen? And for the Christ followers here, if you have Christ as your Lord, you have everything to share. Let's close in prayer. Father, we are grateful for your reminder and message to us this evening. We pray that you will enable and empower us to trust and obey you in all aspects of our lives. Most especially in giving you thanks by us sharing to people what you have done for us. Without you, we are still condemned to hell for our transgressions and our sins, things that we've, caught, we've committed against you. And for that, we are forever grateful. And with that, we pray that you give us the opportunity to share that gift to others. Give us the boldness Give us the wisdom. Give us the words. We trust in you completely. And we pray that you are pleased with us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.